0: over him in Jesus name amen amen Thank you Jimmy welcome everyone good to be here wish we could be together and I am eagerly looking forward to the day when we can gather together in this house and uh, worship together and hug one another and that day will come uh, trust me it will come. And it may be weeks, it may be months, but there will be a day where we can gather together and we will have victory over this uh, pandemic. Um, I want to jump into the message. I have a lot to share this morning. Uh, We find ourselves living in a world that's been radically changed uh, in a very short time. It seems uh, every week I find new aspects of my life that... I just can't do, I can't hug my granddaughter. I mean, this is ridiculous. We, we gathered for a walk, but we had to stay six to eight feet apart. And she's only three. And, um, and she was very strict about it. But uh, it was hard. It was hard for us to do life this way. And there's so many things that we've been thrust out of our normal life, really into a, a form of exile. And so that's why we're calling this series where we're looking through the book of James, Living Exiled, Lessons from James. And uh, the church suffered very similar, actually uh, much more severe uh, um, uh, uh, experience of exile uh, based on the persecution that they suffered by both the Roman Empire as well as the Jewish leaders. And so this letter was written by James uh, in a time not, not terribly unlike uh, what we're suffering. And I think there's many things that we can learn from this letter. And so we're going to uh, d- uh, dive in deep. All three congregations are going through one chapter per week. And so it's a great opportunity to listen to Pastor Anthony, Pastor Mark, and, and my versions of it. Because we all have different styles and different emphasis. And uh, I encourage you also to study along. Read the chapter before uh, each uh, week so that you're prepared and can um, dig in deep. All right, let's get going. Uh, James chapter 1, uh, verse 1. The clicker. I can't believe it. Just like real church, it is on. There we go. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. So James most likely was written by, there's a number of different James. It was a common name in uh, New Testament times. But most historians, theologians believe it was written by the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, because uh, Mary and Joseph had other children after Jesus' birth and they're referenced numerous places in Scripture. Uh, James, while Jesus was alive, he wasn't a follower of Christ, but he became a follower and, in fact, became the leader of the church, one of the most prominent figures in the, of the church, especially the church in Jerusalem. He was the bishop of the church in Jerusalem, and so he had a place of great authority, and he's writing with that authority to the churches and to the Christians that were scattered throughout all of Uh, The world at that time, and uh, they were scattered because of persecution. The persecution that they faced was uh, quite fierce in different seasons of the early church, and although we have not been driven out uh, of our homeland where we live, in, in many ways we've been driven out of our normal lives, and so there is some similarity, and our exile isn't due to disease or persecution, and thank God for that. Uh, there are many, many places in the world where Christians still face severe persecution. And uh, what we're experiencing really is just a minor thing compared to what many, many other Christians have experienced over the years. I think there's lots that we can learn uh, uh, from Scripture, of course, but especially this letter. And so that's why we're going to take time to to go through this verse by verse, or chapter by chapter, uh, not necessarily uh, stopping at every verse, but... We're gonna to try to cover and extract out of this letter lessons that we can apply for our lives today. So verse two through four is, goes like this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. James gets right to the point, right at the beginning of this letter. He says, trouble, adversity, provocation, are all opportunities for great joy. Now, some older translations use the word temptation. Uh, This section here doesn't deal with that. Temptation is dealt with a little bit later in this uh, chapter. You know, uh, the troubles that... uh, James is referring to is just the difficulties of life and the oppression that you sometimes face, and it definitely includes the troubles that we're facing, economic troubles, physical troubles, uh, hardships in life, from things as simple as a remote control not working, to a car breaking down, to you losing your job, to getting sicknesses there's all kinds of troubles that we have to face and James and scripture and God says these are opportunities for great joy not just joy but great joy and you know we all believe and we preach that Jesus came to give us abundant life amen that's true and and Jesus meant that the Christian is to live life to the fullest but Jesus also promised in this world you will have tribulation. And so you can't just pick and choose, saints. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a package deal. Yes, we have abundance. Yes, we have blessing. Yes, we believe for prosperity. But also we know that there are troubles, there's tribulations, there's hardships. And uh, too often we can become intoxicated with comfort. And that leads to complacency. And that's not good. And we as Christians in this time, and especially in this country, I was thinking last night, boy, you know, if you have to be at home, of all the times in history, even in my life, this is a pretty easy time to be at home. You can order, people have food delivered to your house, you have endless entertainment options at a click of a button. And I was like, this isn't suffering. This is, this is like almost a vacation in some ways. I know there's lots of hardships, as I mentioned earlier. But we don't want to be intoxicated with comfort and give in to complacency. And like the, our brothers and sisters from the first century, we need to realize that troubles actually are essential for endurance to grow. It's a, they, they are a blessing, and we need to embrace them. Godly responses to trouble is to be joy, have to have great joy. And that actually means cheerfulness, it means a sense of calm, and it means delight. And so I would just challenge you to consider, is that how you are responding to the limitations that we're facing in this day because of these problems? Or is that how you respond When you face troubles in life, does it it create an opportunity for joy? Calm. That word can actually be translated calm. Does it bring a sense of calm? Uh, Listen, just to be honest, this challenges me. Because when I face troubles, I don't instantly go more calm. right? (laughs) But I can, based on this scripture, and that's actually what the troubles are, 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 God's trying to use these things to grow our endurance, to expand our ability to endure hardships. Um, and in the, it's often translated patience. And patience isn't just putting up with something, it's remaining the same despite your outward circumstances. In other words, no matter what happens, you don't change. And you don't change from the state of cheerful, calm delight that you have because you know who you are in Christ and you know what He's promised. And the exhortation of Scripture is, let it grow. That's a command. That means there's an action here. We have to allow it. The message translates this. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Don't try to get out of it. Realize that there's troubles in life that you have to endure. And learn how to do it cheerfully and allow that to grow and increase in you. Instead of reacting in ways that are the opposite, we can cling to the Scripture and, and obtain the strength to respond to troubles with cheerful, calm delight. James continues, uh, verse 5 through 8. says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. A lot can be said about this, but I just want to apply it to the topic or the theme that he's already introduced. I think that this verse is saying, Hey, if you're having a hard time figuring out how to be cheerful when your life uh, appears to be falling apart, it's okay. He says, troubles are going to come your way, be cheerful. But if you need wisdom, you need help figuring out how to do that, that's okay. Ask God. He's not going to be offended that you ask Him. He wants you to come to Him and ask. And that's what we're supposed to do. Those troubles are supposed to provoke in us, not anger, but a seeking of our heavenly Father's wisdom to know how to uh, navigate through difficult times. In addition to growing our endurance, difficult times press us into hearing God's voice. All right, hearing God's voice, being able to know and hear from our heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit how to respond. In the now, in the present. That's what wisdom is, as well as just general knowledge and information. We need to know how to respond. How can we remain cheerful in times of uh, trouble? You can do it by listening to God's voice and responding. Um, God will give you the wisdom, He gives it generously. He's a generous Father. Uh, um, There's also a warning here, though. It says we must not have divided loyalty. And that means wavering back and forth between trusting God and going to Him for His advice and following that advice, or fleeing back into worldliness. Last week, Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy did a great message about the wilderness experience. Um, and he used the idea that the wilderness is the workshop where God does His work in our character. And uh, the illustration of being in the wilderness and how the Israelites would quickly turn to complaining when things got difficult. Wilderness, difficult experiences, force a reaction. Some people complain, other people become complacent. And we're seeing that in this day as well. But Jesus, when he was driven into the wilderness, responded differently. He endured the hardship and he resisted temptation by clinging to the truth of God's word. And he triumphed through that. And when he came out of that wilderness experience, he was actually ministered to by angels. How many would like that? How many would like to sign up? Sign up for prayer team, Rhema team, and ministry from angels. (laughs) All right. How do you do that? You endure hardship. You uh, stay true during times of temptation, and you and and, and through uh, difficult times, you remain s- steady, and you do that by clinging to God's word, and that's what this scripture is encouraging us to do. Continuing on, uh, verse nine through eleven, it says, "Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them." And it's true. Uh, it's hard when you are suffering economic uh, difficulties to count a blessing. But all through scripture we see uh, God saying, uh, the poor are blessed. And here again, those who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like the flower in the field, the hot sun rises and the grass withers, And the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievement. So the idea here, oops, (coughs) the idea here is that the theme, uh, first of all, the theme of poverty and wealth continues throughout this letter. And we're going to focus on it a little more in depth in in the uh, coming chapters. But here, I think James is simply stating that during times of trouble, we can't put our hope in material wealth. You just can't go there, because it's not going to be trustworthy. Both poor and rich should find their value, what they boast in, in what they have. And there's a great equalizer there. How wealthy you are, ultimately, we are all going to stand before God equal. And so in this life, yes, it makes a difference in some ways, but ultimately we can turn to God and boast in Him whether we're rich or we're poor. All right, verses 12 through 15. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Just a little note. The word translated troubles earlier in the verse, and this Greek word for temptation is actually the same Greek word. And you have to know how it's being used based on the context. Here it's very clear that he's talking about temptation in the sense that we think of it. So it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Wow, that's a powerful passage. We're going to talk a little bit, spend a little more time on this part. Uh, James deals with the idea of temptations. And I think the big message, the big idea here that we should uh, take out of this is that as a Christ follower, we need to expect, expect troubles and temptations. The life of a Christian doesn't exempt you from either. In In actuality, it positions you sometimes to be at the brunt of these things. And so, um, neither temptations or troubles are due to a lack of faith or some inherent fault in us. Jesus Christ, He was perfect, sinless, God in the flesh. Yet He faced both troubles, many different troubles in His short years on the earth, and temptations. This is the devil himself in that time of wilderness, tempted him. And in other places, it says he was tempted in all ways. Uh, So if Jesus faced temptation, and Jesus faced troubles, and he was perfect, how much more ought we uh, not be surprised when we face them? Not responding well to times of trouble and difficulties can open doors to temptation. And one thing that I've been hearing, especially people that are in law enforcement, is uh, the, the increase in the number of calls of domestic d- disputes and uh, people being forced at home are causing uh, you know, te- uh, tempers to rise and a lot, lots of bad things are happening, as well as drug and alcohol abuse and um, people... Uh, casting blame, accusation, getting in fights, outbursts of anger, all of that stuff. So because of the troubles and the restrictions that we're facing, people are erupting into bad behavior. And so, yes, troubles can create opportunities, but we're tempted no matter what. In times of uh, prosperity and freedom, we can be tempted as well. And, and we don't want to give in to temptation And there's a major contrast between how we're to respond to troubles earlier in this chapter and how we're to respond to temptations uh, here in this chapter. We are to actually enjoy troubles. We are to realize that troubles are an opportunity for great joy. We enjoy troubles, but we endure temptation. To me, there's a difference. Uh, I don't enjoy temptation. Uh, I don't like being tempted. I don't like troubles, but I can see the benefit that it produces in me, and I can choose to respond to them with joy and calm and delight. There's a similarity between troubles and temptation, that the benefit of uh, of both come afterwards. All right? It's when we joyfully endure temptations or faithfully um, overcome troubles, we can look forward to the benefits that are promised, that our, our endurance grows and that we receive a crown of life because we haven't given in. Uh, it says in <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, on the same theme, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. It's just like whatever you're being tempted with, that's, it's, just a, it's common. It's, 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 you are not uniquely uh, uh, f- uh, broken or defective. You're just normal. And these temptations are normal. And it's really helpful in a time when you're struggling with temptation to do something that you know you're not supposed to do, that you're not in that fight alone. You're in it with every other person. It says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able And so this this is often a misunderstood verse. Uh, God doesn't allow the temptation to go beyond your capacity. He says, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, if you don't take advantage of the way of escape, then you may be overcome by the temptation. God always has a way out of temptation. And so, when you're in the midst of uh, temptation, look for that way out. And then James, uh, uh, the letter here explains the process of temptation, I think, better than anywhere else in Scripture. It says that well, when we're tempted, let me go back to, the, uh, to that previous verse. When one is tempted, he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Desire leads to being enticed and drawn away. These are great words. There's a desire and you're drawn away. That means you're going a particular way. Something catches your eye and you choose Am I going to keep going the way that I'm supposed to be going? Or am I going to be drawn to this, oh, flashy thing? I don't like, when I go to restaurants, I try to sit where there's not a television, which is very difficult in a lot of restaurants. I actually pick restaurants that don't have TVs in them. Uh, (laughs) You can ask my wife, I actually will move because I don't like the flashing screen. (laughs) uh, uh, because there's mostly temptation on those flashing screens. And that's what temptation is like. You're going along life and something's flashing. It's like like Eve in the garden. Hey, check this out, check this out. And do do you turn from your path and are enticed to go a different way? Listen, the desire, then it goes, it says, desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Desires that are contrary to God's will are not in themselves sin. Very important to understand. Having that desire, ooh, wow, that's not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. And so having the desire arise in you is the opportunity to learn how to endure by not turning, changing course and turning toward the desire and giving it life. Uh, When you allow the destructive desire to come to life, it becomes sin. In other words, when you act on it, and when you grow it, and when it matures, it's actually going to bring death in your life. Sin is often, if not always, the attempt to meet a genuine need in an inappropriate, harmful way that violates the character of God and our new, cre- our new nature created in Christ. It's an act that violates who we are, our, our nature. If you're a Christ follower, if you've been born again, you are a new creation. If you do something to meet a, a need... But in a way that's not healthy, in a way that's not from God, in a way that ends up being destructive, and you give in to that, you give life to it, then it becomes sin. And that sin, if you allow it, will end up producing death in your life. There'll be death uh, to that part of your life, and whatever part of your life that that sin affects. And ultimately, it doesn't meet the underlying need that you're trying to fulfill. And that's the thing that we need to remember. When you're being tempted, whatever it is, it's not going to meet the need. And the challenge is is to go deep and discover what is the need that that desire, that that temptation is trying to to trigger. And how can I meet that need in a godly way? And James actually uh, goes on to address this in uh, verse 16. It says, So don't be... Misled. Don't be misled. Don't be taken off course, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. He's saying there's a better source than those temptations for meeting your needs, and it's from your heavenly Father, because everything he gives is good, and it's perfect. Perfect means complete. It means whole. It means, uh, 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 means uh, matured, And it comes to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Rather than giving in to destructive behaviors that bring death, we're called to receive what is good and perfect from our Father. And rather than allowing sin to be birthed in us, we are to recognize that we are new creations, birthed by the word of God given to us. So you get to choose, you know, do you allow sin to be birthed, conceived, do you give life to that? Or do you receive the life that comes from the uh, word of God that's given? And I love uh, the verse in Peter, as Peter writes to the church on a similar uh, a message or a similar idea. It says, you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass, their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So this truth applies if you've been born again. For you have been born again. Peter was written to believers that had received the good news. And James was writing to the church, people who had received the good news. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus Christ came. God took on humanity. He took on human form. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And during that time, he performed many miracles to demonstrate his uh, divine nature, to demonstrate his power over sin, over sickness. And the ultimate victory was when he was uh, wrongfully arrested and crucified, and he died on the cross. And that death on the cross was payment. Uh, All sin produces death. The death on the cross of Jesus was the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament sacrifices. They were looking forward to a future fulfillment. The blood of animals, the blood of goats and bulls are not able to pay for the sins of men and women and children. They're not able to pay for the sins of mankind. It takes the blood of a man. And so God came as a man to die on the cross and to shed his blood. Why? So that the payment for sin. Whose sin? Not Jesus' sin, because he didn't sin. He took the payment for my sin, for your sin, for our sin. That's the good news, that Jesus took the payment, not only the payment and the penalty, but he took the power because sin could not keep him in the grave. And that was demonstrated by the resurrection when Jesus rose from the dead and then was seen throughout uh, a a period of time talking to his disciples, even crowds up to 500, and continues to be seen um, by believers who encounter him in in a multitude of different ways. When you receive the saving knowledge that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord, for me it was in a, I actually had a vision and then someone came and preached this, this exact message to me that that Jesus died for my sin that's how I saw Jesus you can encounter Jesus too and you can accept Jesus too and that gives you the freedom from death it gives you the freedom from sin it enables you to be born again and to choose the life to live uh, free from uh, being pulled into temptations or being overcome by troubles and the message is the good news that Jesus Christ died. And I just challenge you, if you have not done that, or you, if you, you maybe have thought you've done it, or you've maybe said a prayer, or you've gone to church, but you're not living a life that's, that's, that's cheerful and trouble and that can endure temptation. If you're giving in the temptations continually, and if you're allowing troubles to to, 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 to devastate your life, maybe you don't know the life that Jesus has offered. Maybe you haven't entered in to the joy of the Lord yet. And you can do that simply by stopping and saying, Lord, I believe you, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that you rose from the dead and that you will come again. And I confess my sin before you and I confess my faith that you've forgiven me. And I commit to follow you as a as your disciple for the rest of my life. That's the salvation prayer. And you need to say that. And I believe you need to say it out loud, and then you need to say it to other people so that you make a commitment. And so then these letters are not just addressed to people that lived thousands of years ago. These letters and these truths are addressed to you and you can and you can be empowered by them. real quickly, I'm just going to finish up <clears throat> with eight, uh, eight uh, pro tips uh, uh, eight words of advice for enduring uh, hardship and my uh Printed Bible, it's this section of verses 19 through 27 are titled, Qualities Needed in Trials. But I'm just going to jump through them quickly because it's running out of time. And the qualities are first, be quick to listen. All right, if you're a born-again believer, if you're following Christ, this is something that should rise up. This is how you should behave in times of trouble and in times of temptation. Have an open ear, be tuned in, to the good word from the Lord and, and, and to be open for advice and slow to speak. Just slow down. Everybody wants to share their opinion or their, uh, their perspective. And maybe it would be better for you not to talk and to listen. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. In other words, this is saying <clears throat> troubles in times of temptation they uh, can produce the emotion of anger, but you have the power uh, through the Holy Spirit and the truth of God, you can throttle that anger. All right, so slow down, buddy. Okay, take it easy and don't let the anger get built in you. And then he goes on and says, Get rid of all filth and evil, get rid of the filth and evil in your life. You need to ruthlessly rid yourself of anything that's worldly. And and the reason is because that destroys your life. It makes the troubles more troublesome. And it makes the temptations uh, more likely to succeed. And so you need to find are, is there remnants of, of worldliness in you? Are you uh, the Things that, that haven't been cleaned out, you need to clean out. Do a spring cleaning of your soul, of your mind, and of your body, so that you don't have ungodly things there. And then, don't just listen to God's word. Do it. Be doers of the word and not just hearers only. You need to put it into action. And then again, control your tongue. I think he's He's really, in fact, he talks about this so much, there's almost a whole chapter on this. You know, slow to speak, control your tongue. Watch what you say. Uh, uh, it's the one thing. You, you, it's hard to control what you hear. You know, you can't close your ears. You, you have to put something there, and still sound still gets in. And you, you can uh, close your eyes, <coughs> all right, uh, so you can avoid seeing things. But you know what? You have 100% control over your tongue. You don't have 100% control over what you see because you need to have your eyes open when you're driving. There's all kinds of things you can see. And you don't have 100% control over what you hear because you're constantly bombarded with messages. But you have 100% control over what comes out of your mouth. And so control your tongue. Control it with what? Cheerfulness! Joy! Calm delight. Let that be the tone of the words that you speak. And then number seven, care for those in need. And he points out widows and orphans especially. But anyone that has genuine need, I like how Jimmy shared earlier, if you can meet that need, meet it. Maybe it's even a small thing. It's just stopping and talking to a neighbor or sharing some food that you have. Find a way to meet real needs. Uh, and the last one is refuse worldly corruption. Don't allow the influences of this world to sneak in and and corrupt your life. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Jimmy to close this service. Thank you so much. God bless you all. See you next week.